Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith in Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. We are in a series here on church. Uh, it's, it's an Easter uh, series. Uh, and today, uh, my, my assignment, uh, Pastor Chad, our lead pastor, uh, has just kind of laid out some things uh, for us as we just come, come alongside him. And my assignment today is to speak on, on the word abandonment. I'm going to speak on the word uh, abandonment. And, and my, my assignment along with it is just to, to unpack Unpack that word, uh, abandonment, especially uh, in the context of Matthew 27. So what we've been doing for the last several weeks is that we've been actually looking at the, the words of Jesus, the last words of Jesus while he was on the cross. Or as, as you break it down into the English language, they, they become more than just one word, but it's, a, it's like a phrase. And so I want to uh, have you focus your attention with me this morning on Matthew 27, chapter 27, and I want to take a look at uh, just a couple couple of words here, and you'll see where our, our focal point is uh, for, for the message this morning. Matthew 27, uh, verse 45 says this, and once again, this, uh, it's in the context that Jesus is on the cross, and, uh, and this is in Jesus' final hours, uh, and he is, he is having phrases, and, and those that are certainly familiar with, with the crucifixion, you are aware of some of the things that Jesus said. Uh, while he was on the cross. So Matthew 27, 45 says this, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a phrase that I think we're all, all familiar with. We're going to take a look at that, and we're going to come back, and we'll, we'll, we'll use some illustrations from Scripture just to help us with, with that passage. It's so important that we appreciate why Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was not just because of him and what he was experiencing, but that was for our, for our benefit. You see, there's a tactic that the enemy, and this is so true, last, last week it was Easter Sunday and it was a great time in the house of the Lord. There's a number of people uh, that gave their heart to Jesus Christ uh, and you know what happens uh, often, I, and, uh, and we hope that it didn't happen last week, but often what happens, people give their hearts to the Lord and then, then, then the next few days come, the enemy comes along and says, what was that about? That really didn't happen. What were you doing? You didn't give your heart to the Lord. Nothing's changed. And so the tactic of the enemy is to discredit everything that Christ accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary. Everything that Jesus accomplished for you and me on the cross of Calvary, the enemy comes along and he tries to discredit it. 
He comes along and tries to disprove it, or he gets people, no, that didn't happen. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure you are aware uh, of a number of things uh, that uh, have come to your mind. Uh, there are, and let me just give you a few examples that are classic of how the, the enemy, the enemy ever so comes along and tries to discredit and, and, and try to discourage. For example, I've heard people say, did Jesus really die for all the sins of the world? See, the enemy comes along. He, he wants to discredit the fact that Jesus Christ died for all of our sins. All of our sins. Or, what about this one? Can I be forgiven for my sinful past just with a simple prayer of faith? Is it really that simple? The enemy comes along and tries, no, no, you, you got to do more than that. can't be just a, a simple prayer. Or, can I experience victory over sinful habits? You know, yeah, oh no, no, you can't do that. You're going to have to live with that. You're, you're, going to be, you're going to be bound to that habit for the rest of your life. And you're just going to have to cope. And you're going to have to, you know, live a kind of a substandard Christian life. See, the enemy just comes and, and discredits everything that, that Christ accomplished for us on the cross. Or, here's one. Did the resurrection really take place? There, there are some major, major religions in our world that, that do not believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And, and there, there's one that's very common to us is Islam. Uh, and I attended a meeting here uh, not too long ago, just a couple weeks ago, and it was on Islamophobia. And the, the presenters were actually considered an outreach team for the Islam community. And, and, their, and their position, and what they were doing is they were explaining to the rest of us why, why there are some issues in Canada and that we really shouldn't have a problem with them. Uh, and they, they went on to explain, they went on to explain that they, uh, and they did this unashamedly, not in a militant way at all, but they, they said to us that were in attendance there, make no mistake about it, we do not believe that Christianity is right. We believe that we are right. We do not believe that God had any sons or daughters. Okay, that, that's just a blatant example of what is out in our world. But that's what the enemy does. He comes along and he tries to discredit everything that was accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary. And here's one that maybe is more pertinent to you today. And I know that it is because of the assignment and just because of the theme. Or have I been left to defend for myself? You know, I've given my heart to, to Jesus Christ, but man, you know, the journey hasn't exactly been that smooth. And have I been just left to go it alone? And the enemy loves to come along and convince you that, well, you know, you're going to have to defend for yourself. And so it's... Arguments like this that the enemy are, are certainly known for. And Stephen Furtick, in his book, and it's a book that we've been referring to uh, uh, throughout this series, uh, in his book called The Seven Mile Miracle, and he's just talking about the steps of Jesus before he went to the cross. And in his book called Seven Mile Miracle, and the subtitle, very interesting. If you haven't read the book or seen the book, I encourage you by all means to get a copy of it. The subtitle is Journey into the Presence of God Through the Last Words of Christ. 
So there's, there's something to be said for uh, exactly what, was, what Jesus said for us just before he gave up the ghost and then he went down to hell. Hallelujah. And he, he, he took the keys from the devil. Hallelujah. And he gave them to us. But Stephen Furtick says this, my God, the phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says this, is that Jesus, and don't miss this phrase. If you don't get anything else out of what, what the sermon's about this morning, don't miss this phrase. But Stephen Furtick says that, that um, uh, Jesus underwent abandonment by the Father so that we would never have to. I'm going to repeat that one more time because I know what the tactic of the enemy is. Stephen Furtick said that Jesus underwent abandonment. So when he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at that moment, God had to turn his back on his son because he was bearing all the sins of mankind on him. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Furtick goes on to say, and I love it, and it's worth repeating. He says that Jesus underwent abandonment by the Father so that we would never have to. So objectively, this is so true. This is so true. When we look at it from, from the back, you know, we're now 2,000 some years later. I said, man, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. And so objectively, it is true. But there are things that happen to us in life happen to us in life that subjectively can cause us to question. There are things that happen to people. There are bad things that happen to good people, and, and many of you have experienced that. There are things that, that, that happen to us in life uh, that cause us to, to live subjectively, and we can, we can question, where are you, Lord? Have you left me? How come you're not answering my prayers? Have you abandoned me? Here's a question for you this morning, and I think probably most of you will say yes. Have you ever felt alone in a crowd? You know, you've been in a crowd, you felt alone. Have you ever felt alone in church? There are many people, there are many people that, that have come to church on a Sunday morning and that, that they have felt alone. Because one of the tactics of the enemy is to get us isolated, to, to get us into a place where we just, we start feeling, feeling alone and, 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 and on it goes. The, the enemy is always trying to create a, a feeling of abandonment. We know it's not true because Jesus took care of that. We know objectively when we went, we looked across that he's always there. But subjectively, subjectively there are times that we experience the spirit of abandonment. The enemy, he is subtle, and he will try to separate us emotionally. The enemy loves, even though you're physically in church today, the enemy will loves to, to separate you emotionally and love to give you the feeling, you know, you don't really belong here. You're really not fitting in this church. And, and, and emotional loves, loves to just kind of get you isolated, even if it's just only uh, uh, emotionally. And, and if, if we allow him to, he will. He will spiritually try to separate us. His favorite scheme is to get us offended by someone in church. Oh, how many times have we as pastors heard this one? How many times have we heard of people that have got offended in church and then they left church because they said, somebody offended me? 
It's a scheme. It's a tactic of the enemy. Uh, we have heard someone has been offended, and, and if, if we allow, and here's, here's how the tactic works. This is, this is how the strategy of the enemy, if you're not sure, this is how it works. Uh, what he does, the enemy comes along, somebody gets offended, and there's always going to be something that's going to offend us. Yeah, and so what happens, if we allow the offense to stick, boy, that offended me, then what happens is rejection will follow. We start to disengage. And then feelings of abandonment creep in, causing us to isolate ourselves and believe a lie. Are you following me this morning? Follow me? Are you familiar with the tactic of the enemy? Okay, good. That, that's, that's just how he works. So I have four examples for you today just to share with you the people that we know the outcome. We know what happened, okay? We know it all turns out right, okay? But for just a few moments, if we put ourselves in these people's shoes, that we too may have felt, say, man, I, I feel like, man, I'm rejected. I'm not sure where God is. And I just want to, to identify these people today. And because I think that some of you today will be able to say, man, I, I'm in sort of what that person was, was going through as we read about in the Bible. The first one I want to talk to you today is about Mother Teresa. We're all familiar with Mother Teresa and her incredible work that she did in Calcutta. Uh, and in uh, her book called Come Be My Light. Mother Teresa, just incredible. The Catholic Church certainly revered her. They, they finally, they, they, gave, they gave her the title of sainthood. Uh, and and whether, you, whether you believe that or how you go with that, that doesn't matter. What the point that I'm making is that the incredible work that Mother Teresa uh, was able to do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in, in Calcutta. But shortly, it is said in her book that shortly after Teresa began her work among the poor and dying in Calcutta, she began to sense the absence of Jesus. Her term for her feelings of loneliness and abandonment was called darkness. The experience was intensely painful for her. Some call it the dark night of the soul. Well, it goes on to say in her book, that eventually a spiritual advisor helped Teresa see that her sense of abandonment, she wasn't really abandoned, but her sense of abandonment by God actually had a benefit for her work. It helped her better understand the people whom she was serving also. She began to identify her painful sense of spiritual abandonment with the suffering of Jesus. And all of this helped her to accept her darkness and kept going in faithfulness to God despite it. She was speaking, oh, what I am feeling is what Jesus experienced. And that's what the darkness of India is feeling. And God uses her to be uh, this vessel of mercy and, and grace. Here's some other places that you might experience abandonment. We're going to take a look today at Joseph. Joseph out of Genesis and looking at a few of those chapters, but just for a few moments. Joseph, as we know, was, was one that was called by God and God was raising him up. But you all know the story that Joseph was, was betrayed by his uh, brothers and he was sold into Egypt. And eventually, Joseph ended up in prison. 
And, and the word of God tells us that even when he was uh, 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 captive and when he was in prison, that he was, he was despitefully used. We, we don't know exactly all the thoughts that were going through Joseph's mind, but we do know this, that while he was there, he was isolated. Uh, he was in a position of, uh, of rejection. Uh, it was something that uh, he, he wasn't always sure. But, but in the end, as we read the word of God, we find out even though that he was in prison, the word of God tells us that Joseph, he was faithful, uh, uh, even though he may have sensed uh, 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 being forsaken. This is what the scripture tells us about Joseph, and, and it goes on to say over, and I think it's in uh, the, the 39th chapter here, uh, underneath Joseph being in prison, says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden, so that the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison and he was made responsible for that all was done there and the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. He was in a prison, but God was with him. And today, you may be thinking, I'm in a kind of prison today. And I need to let you know today that even though you may be sensing that you are in prison, you need to have the same assurance that Joseph had that the Lord was with him. Second, a second area where the enemy likes to come on, because the enemy loves to get you to think, I'm in prison here. I'm being, I'm being uh, reduced, I'm being restricted. The second, uh, the second example that comes from Scripture is the three Hebrew children. I'm talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over in Daniel chapter 3. And over in Daniel chapter 3, we read the story about the three Hebrew children. First of all, they were prisoners of war. Uh, they had been uh, taken from their home country. They had been brought to a foreign country. They had been forced to, to adopt uh, the, the ways uh, of that country, and, but they refused. They refused. Uh, uh, and as they were uh, uh, doing what they felt in their hearts that they must be doing and being faithful to God, they were challenged. They were challenged by the, the king Nebuchadnezzar at that time. And the king had made this decree that if you did not bow to him, that you would be thrown into a fiery furnace and that your life would be consumed. And the three Hebrew children had to make a decision. They were going through it. They, they knew that things did not look good. They, they were not sure what the outcome was, but they knew in their hearts that whether they were going to live or die, they would not bow before the king. So the word of God tells us that over in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 22, the king's command was so urgent as he, he, he was infuriated because they brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to him and they refused to bow and they, they made it clear, king, you can do what you want to us, but we're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he got really upset and it says over in chapter 3 verse 22, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire came the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, firmly tied, fell in to the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? I don't know what you're experiencing today, but I'm convinced because of the service and because of the assignment that there are some people here today that are experiencing, man, I feel like I'm in a furnace. I, I 
I feel like God's, uh, I am in a fiery furnace. And you need to be encouraged by, by the, the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so the word goes on to say as King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he, he's, he's astounded. He can't understand why, first of all, that these, uh, these boys are still alive and that they're walking uh, about in the furnace. And he says to his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty, there were. But he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of God. Subjectively, I don't know what they were thinking, but objectively, you and I look. We look back at that account and we realize that even though they went through a fiery furnace and it looked like they were going to be in there all alone, there was that, there was that message, there was that revelation that no matter how hot it was, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord would walk with them through the fiery furnace. It was an incredible time. They could have thought, this is it for us. Where are you, God? But God never lets us down. We can always be confident whether it's in a prison cell, whether it's in a fiery furnace, that our Lord is right there walking with us. He's walking with us and he's talking with us and he's upholding us. It's an incredible story. One more, one more example. One more example that comes from scripture. And it's the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. Whether you've been in prison, whether you've been in a fiery furnace, or perhaps you're here this morning, you're just disappointed. Perhaps you're here this morning, you're disappointed. Perhaps you, um, you have experienced maybe failure. Or, or maybe, as in the case of these two individuals, your dreams. Your dreams were broken or have been broken and shattered. We're told the story about the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. It was Resurrection Sunday. They had heard some conflicting reports that the tomb was empty, but their conclusion was that everything that they had hoped for, everything that they thought Jesus was going to do, it wasn't going to happen, and they were returning home. They were returning home because they were disappointed. Their, their, their dreams had, had been shattered. And the Bible tells us that as, as, it, as they were, were going on their way home to Emmaus, they were talking to, to each other, and, and they said to each other, well, it seemed like he was the Messiah. We, we, we thought he was the Messiah. We, we thought we made the right direction. We thought we made the right decision. We, we thought giving a heart to the Lord Jesus Christ is the right thing. We thought going to church is the right thing. There's all kinds of things. You see how the enemy works? He always likes to do that. He likes to come, well, you know, how'd that work out? And, and, and we, t in, our, in our way, in our, in our subjective way, well, man, it, it seemed like it was the right decision. And then they, the story goes on, and as they're returning to their, to their home in Emmaus, Jesus comes alongside them, and he starts talking to them. And as the narrative unfolds, you, you read it, and, and, and it appears that as they're talking, are, are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on, the disciples say to him? Are you the only one that's not aware of what's happened in, in, in Jerusalem? So it, it seemed to them that the stranger was the only one that was clued out. 
But then over in Luke chapter 24 and verses 31 as they were turning in for the night and they really wanted this stranger to come with them and so he comes and he's going to have a meal with them. The Bible says over in Luke chapter 24 verse 31 when, when, when their eyes were opened they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. And one account talks about, says it seemed like our hearts were burning with, within us. In the midst of our broken dreams and, our, and, and our, sh our shattered dreams, our disappointments, we can always be confident the Lord is there. The Lord is there and his voice is always speaking to us and his presence is always there. Uh, Stephen Furtick, he, he makes this comment about what to do when you feel abandoned. I, I'm not going to go into a, lot, into a lot of detail on this one, but I, I just, I'm just going to read some of these things. Uh, Furtick says, take a deep breath and don't panic. He says, remind yourself often as necessary that your feelings aren't always reliable guides. I know how true that is. Recall past times when you felt God's intimate presence. And, and uh, I don't know who you are today, but I need to re let you know that today that the same God that was there with you yesterday is the same God that's here with you today. And, and so Stephen says, recall past times when you felt God's intimate presence. Hold on to the promises of scripture. That's why I like that song we were singing. Uh, God's promises are yes and amen. There are times when there seems like there are clouds and there are times when it does seem dark and you need, like me, to grab a hold of the promises of scripture that are yea and amen. We need to to take care of ourselves and we need to keep on being faithful to God. We need to focus on maintaining our side of the relationship. And this is huge what Stephen says. Stephen says, look when you're going through a time when you, when you seem lonely and disappointed and maybe you're experiencing rejection and, and the spirit of abandonment is trying to get a hold of you, that you, you need to look for, for what you can learn from the experience. What God, what are you trying to teach me at, at that moment in time? So once again, this morning, when Christ screamed to his heavenly father, why have you forsaken me? As Stephen Furtick says, he experienced abandonment so we could never be abandoned. Wow, what a truth, amen? Amen, that's a yes and that's amen. Today, today, you need to understand that there is an antidote for, for the loneliness. There's an antidote for rejection. There's an antidote that when the enemy tries to grip us with a spirit of abandonment. And the antidote that Christ has given us to, to minister effectively to rejection, to disappointment, to spirit of abandonment is the body of Christ. The, you and me. You and me. This is why this message lives so true. This is why this message gets excited to us because we are the antidote. We are the antidote, those that, that are gathered here today. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul describes the body of Christ and, and he tells us how we are to be acting and, and how we are to be proactive when it comes to the body of Christ. He goes on to say in verse uh, 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming ways. And he goes on to say, instead, here's our role. 
Here's our role, and this is, this, is the, this is the mandate, and this is the agenda for every Sunday that you and I come to church, or every time we gather together as Christians, we are to speak the truth in love, and, and, and Paul says, when we speak the truth in love, what we do is we grow, and we become in every respect mature, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And so you see this picture that Paul is talking about. You know, when we are functioning as the body of Christ, and when we're, when we're speaking the truth of lo uh, in love, and when we're ministering according to, to Jesus Christ, you know, the body strengthened. And so that when the enemy would come in and try to discourage and try to isolate you and try to break up your dreams and try to just cloud over and say, yeah, sure, see what's going on in your life right now. That's why Jesus gave us that mandate and privilege as his body to be the expression of love so that when, when doubt would come in and would dissipate, that you and I would step into a situation and we would minister the love of Jesus Christ and say, no, hey, listen, you may feel discouraged. You may feel weak, but if we want you, we're going to carry you today. You, you, you may be having difficulties, but we are the body of Christ. And Paul says that when we do that, that the, his body, the body of Christ, as we're joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, it will grow and we will build each other up in, in love as each part does its work. We're, it's, it's working together. It's working together and it's coming against what the enemy tries to do. And, and then there, that's the proactive side. That's, in other words, we're always on guard. This is, this is, our, this is our mandate, being, being always uh, ahead of the game. But there's also the other side of the body of Christ, and that's being reactive. That's being reactive. But God has put the body together, says Paul says over in 1 Corinthians 12. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it. So that we should be, uh, no, there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. That's good, right? That, that, that's, that's a good picture uh, of the body of Christ. Uh, and, and you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. And this is an easy verse, really. It's an easy verse for us to follow uh, as, as long as things are going well. As long as things are going well. But Paul goes on to say there's, there's a side that you and I, we can be as proactive as we want, but there's times that we need to react to the members of the body of Christ. And he says, if one part suffers... If one part of the body is suffering, if one member, if one of you today is suffering, Paul says that we're all suffering. That, that, that we're all being effective. And, and, and Paul's point is that we need to react to that suffering part of the body. There's sometimes you, you may not know, but you often hear, oh, we got to do something. And that's right. We need to react because as we do, we cut off the enemy's tactic and we minister love. We, we find ourselves being uh, in, in that restorative process. We, 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 we find ourselves being in the position where we hear his voice. Where we hear his voice. I love what the scripture says. Be still. And know that I am God. Have you heard that still small voice? Have you heard that? It's important for you to still, still small voice. Okay. Want to conclude with a story? Steve, Steve Frederick, he's a guy. He's a, you know he, he's well known throughout uh, North America. Does a lot of speaking. So 
So he's, he's always flying. He's going into airports, in and out airports. You that have been to the airports and done traveling, there's a number of you have traveled. You, you know what I'm going to talk about. I mean, when you go there, there's all kinds of security. There's all kinds of customs that you have to go through. There's these things you got to walk through. They, gotta, they, they check you, see if you're carrying anything that you shouldn't be carrying. There's x-ray machines. Oh, it's, it's, it's quite an ordeal, and that's why. They'll say to you, if you're going on a trip, that you need to get there early because you got all these procedures to go through. So this one day, Steve is getting ready to go on the trip, and his five-year-old son says, hey, Dad, can I come with you? Well, you know, Steve was saying, man, I don't know. You know, he's, you know, he's a kind of busy guy and so forth. So Steve says, sure, get your suitcase and come with me. So they, they go to the airport, and, and Steve and his five-year-old son they, they get ready to go through the, uh, the, 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 the machines, uh, and as they're going through, Steve goes through first, and his son is about to go in, and then one of the, one of the uh, uh, customs officers comes over and takes the son and says, you're going with me. And, 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 and Steve says, hey, what are you doing? That's my son. And, and the, uh, the customs officer is not paying attention at all. And he's just taking off this little boy because he was going to take him off to the side room because he probably had concern, some kind of concern whether or not this guy was kidnapping him or whatever. And so, meanwhile, Steve, the dignified pastor, is no longer dignified. And he's yelling and he's screaming, hey, that's my boy. What are you doing? You can't do this. You can't take my son away. And so now his son has disappeared and, 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 and uh, now he's frantic of what are they doing to my, my little five-year-old boy who is, who is defenseless and, and does, not get, does not know what to do in matters like this. And this is his first time to the airport. What are you guys doing? Well, I mean, everybody in the airport is, is, is looking. And, and finally, finally, Stephen talks to the people and uh, they, they say, oh, well, sir, we're, we, we apologize. Uh, and, 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 you know, here, come with us. So, so Stephen is, man, he, he's really been out of shape. And he finally comes to the room where his son is. And his son is sitting in a chair. And his son is cool as a cucumber. I mean, his son is really enjoying everything that's going on around him. Well, well, Steve is kind of ticked. I mean, he's been bent out of shape for the last 10, 15 minutes. Y'all making a fool out of himself because his son's been gone. He comes to the other side and his son is sitting in a chair and just having time of his life. Just like a little five-year-old boy. And so Stephen says to his son, he says, he says, how come, how come you weren't upset? How come you weren't panicking? How come you haven't been crying? And the little son, he says this to his dad. Now, I, know I, want, I want to get every word. He says, he says, dad, he says, because I could hear your voice. He says, dad, because I could hear your voice all the time and I knew you were coming. <laughs> I can hear your voice. And I know you're coming. <laughs> and Stephen goes on to say, he says, you know, the confidence of a follower of Jesus is the confidence of a child who knows my father is close and he's coming and I can hear his voice even in the darkness. Even in the darkness. With every head bowed, and every eye closed, asking the worship team to come.
can you hear his voice? Because he's still coming. <laughs> he's still coming. He's still coming. So whether it is the dark night of the soul, Mother Teresa, or whether it's an emotional prison cell like, like something with Joseph or a fiery furnace or broken dreams and discouragement, you need to hear these words this morning. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He experienced abandonment so we would never be abandoned. So this morning we just really want to pray. We just want to pray for people today that you say, Pastor, I, I've been... I'm, I've been experiencing something like what it is to be in a prison cell or I've been going through a fiery furnace or just discouraged. I'm not going to center you out, but I, I do want to pray for you in this, this, this closing moment. So you're here. In this moment, you say, yeah, yeah, that's me. Just raise your hand and put it back down and I'm going to pray, pray with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those hands, yeah, yeah. Those hands that are just, just going up. Yeah. There's others that said, man, yeah, I just feel like I've been experiencing the dark night soul. That's good. That's good. Lord, we want to thank you today. We want to thank you that today that, that you, you paid the price for us. You paid the price for us so that we wouldn't have to pay the price. Lord, you, you, you experienced something that none of us as humans could ever imagine, ever comprehend what it is to experience total abandonment. But you did that on our behalf so that we would never, we would never, we would never have to succumb to being left alone. We, we would never have to be isolated and, and banished forever. Because your work is complete. Your promises are yes and amen. So this morning, we thank you today that because of what you have done, that we can experience, Lord, your peace. And Lord, I pray for those today. There was one part, was one of the songs that we sang was about just knowing the voice of God, the, his, his presence. And Lord, I pray today that each one here will, will know his presence, will know his presence, will know that still small voice and have the assurance that, yes, I heard your voice all along and I knew that you were coming. I heard your voice all along and I knew that you are coming. So, Lord, as we sing this song, I thank you for your ministry unto your people now in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and sing it. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 